medicate, just meditating. Waking up now, well, baby, you hella late. Educate, look at what's going on, let it resonate, accelerate. Find your inner hunger like you never ate. Agenda is to push the hate, separate and segregate. Don't celebrate quite yet, the storm is coming. Cue for heaven's sake. Violence that they demonstrate, instigate and penetrate. The values of our country and our God is what they desecrate. My fighters ain't no featherweight. Pulling out the seams of the fabric that they fabricate. They feed us lies, manipulate, intimidate through fear and force. Forcing us to sit and wait till we come together, congregate, and then we liberate. Praying that you give me strength to find some love amongst the hate. Marching on these streets of blood till I see the golden gates. Troubadour and troubled souls, one of God's servants. Blades out, cut the grass till we see the serpents.
Hey, good morning, guys. It is Pastor Randy here at uh, Made Free Church Tactical Discipleship and ServantForChrist.com. Hope you guys are having a great morning. Let me do this real quick. <coughs> All right. I like Josh Snodgrass. So uh, that was uh, uh, God, We Need You Now by, by Struggle, Jones, and Caitlin uh, uh, Curtis. Uh, the, the beginning song, I love this song, man. And, and, and in, in America right now, we really do need Jesus. We need God to come home. We need God, you know, and that's just, uh, you know, I love the words and stuff like that, you know what I mean? So that's why I played it. I hope you guys enjoyed it because it, it means that song really, really touched me. I'm a huge patriot, as you can see. I got a camo background, camo hat, and, uh, yeah, and I wear a lot of patriotic shirts and stuff like that. Because I believe in the Constitution of the United States, and I believe in the Bill of Rights, and I'm a constitutionalist as well. Um, and uh, but let's get out of the political side of this. Uh, so, um, guys, we're going to be continuing our study in First Corinthians. I know I'm on a little early, and and the reason why that is is because my work schedule changed. So, um, we're going to be uh, we're going to be talking about. Oh crap! Uh, let me do this real quick. Oh, man, I'm just not doing good today all right there we go all right um what the heck man anyway so we're going to be talking about the principles of marriage today and uh i believe this is good that we should know this right um because our society right now is so, you know, about sexual immorality, adultery. There's a lot of people out there sleeping with other people and in marriage and stuff like that. So I think it's good that we, we touch, you know, on the principles of marriage, you know, and, and stuff like that. And what Paul and the Lord have to say about that. So, um, yeah. So, um, guys... Uh, just a couple announcements before I get started. Guys, if you guys need prayer, please go to madefreechurch.org. we got a whole intercessory prayer team that is set up. Um, and uh, they pray over your prayer requests every every day. And we would love to pray for you. Now, if you want one of us pastors or our our intercessory prayer team to call you and pray with you, we're, we're willing to do that as long as it's in the United States. If you're in Canada, Mexico, or across the big pond um, in Europe and stuff like that. We're not going to be able to call you and pray with you, but we encourage you because we are a praying church. We are a discipling church, and we just, uh, we, we love to pray. I mean, prayer is essential, you know what I mean? And and so if you guys need prayer, please go to that. Also, um, I use these translations in all uh, my sermons and my Bible studies. I use the LSB, which is the Legacy Standard Bible. I use the ESV, the NSAB, the New King James Version, and the King James Version. So, guys, I'm gonna I, I use all most of them in a lot of my stuff. So, if you guys are using an NIV or an ESV or a King James or a New King James, that's fine. You're gonna get the gist of it. Just try to read along. So, uh, we're gonna be in First Corinthians seven one through seven today. So, guys, let's get into this. Um, and let's get into prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for this time. We thank you for the opportunity that we get to spend with you. We love you. We worship you. And we praise you, God. 
And we just thank you. Get me out of the way and let your word go through, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Um, guys, pray for our church in Uganda. They're still on lockdown right now. Um, we have Made Free Church in Uganda, and um, they're, they're, they're dealing with a lot of different stuff. And, and, and so if you guys can pray for them, that would be really, really, really great. So pray for them, please. Um, pray for their financials. Pray for them to grow. They're still on lockdown right now. So it's been really, really hard for them to meet, really hard for Pastor Henry to you know, minister to them. So please, um, yeah, pray for them. So let's get into this, right? So we're going to continue our study in first Corinthians in a series that I'm calling challenges that Christians face. And one of the challenges that Christians face is really the issue of marriages, marriage, right? Um, and, uh, you know, let's, let's really learn about this message that I'm calling the principles of marriage. Let's read uh, 1 Corinthians 7, 1 through 7. And it says this, Now concerning the things about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. But because of sexual immoralities, each man is to have his own wife, and each woman should have her own husband. The hub husband must fulfill his duty to his wife, and likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have the authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, also, the husband does not have authority over his own body. The wife does. Stop depriving one another, except by agreement for a time, so that you may devote yourselves to prayer and come together again so Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of control. But this is, but this is, but this I say as a concession, not a command. Yet I wish... Uh, all men were even as myself am. However, each man has his own gift from God, one this way and the uh, and the other that. This is this is the the first time in First Corinthians where we see the expression now concerning in verse one, chapter seven through eleven uh, uh, in First Corinthians um, comprises of Paul's answer to many challenges faced. By the faced in the uh, faced the Corinthian church, the first of these challenges is the issue of marriage. Now, Pastor John MacArthur notes that marriage was an area which the Corinthians had serious problems, and as with their many other problems, uh, which much of their marital trouble reflected the pagan and morally corrupt culture in which they lived from and from which they have not separated. Their culture tolerated fornication, adultery, homosexuality, polygamy, and, and, and concubinage. Juvenile, which he lived from 60 to 148 B, he was a Roman poet, wrote that about women who rejected their own sex. Um, they wore helmets, they delighted in feats of strength, which, and, and with, they exposed their breasts, hunted uh, pigs with spear and he also said they wore out their bridal veils with so many marriages interestingly um, the Roman law and customs of that day four types of marriage was practiced right um, guys if you guys want to comment and stuff please do if you guys want me to see your name please give access to StreamYard when you do this the podcasters don't need to really worry about that because they're listening later 
they're listening live or whatever. So, um, the first type of marriage was called concubinage, uh, concubinage, right? Which uh, means really, you know, tent companionship. This was a marriage uh, that practice was was practiced by slaves, who were considered to be subhuman, right? Now, if a man and woman uh, slave wanted to be married, they might be allowed to live together. The arrangement lasted only as long as the owner permitted. The slave owner was perfectly free to separate them, to arrange other partners, or to sell one or the other. Now, many of early Christians were slaves, right? And, and some of them had, had lived, perhaps, and were still living in this sort of marital relationship. The second type of marriage is called usis. It's a form of common law marriage that recognized a couple, uh, a couple to be husband and wife after they lived together for a year. Now, and we see that today in in a lot of our states is is common law marriage. You know what I mean? Um, I think that the the difference is is the I don't think it's more. I think it's seven years or something that you live together. You're considered married in some states today here in the, here in America. Uh, the third type was called contepio immunum, uh, manium, which uh, father would sell his daughter to the prospective husband. Now, the fourth type of marriage is called confinterio. Now, I'm not good with Greek and and and, and Greek words, so you guys are gonna have to, uh, uh, you know, uh, 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 give me grace on that, right? This was the most elevated type of marriage practiced by the upper class of the of the culture. Our modern uh, Christian marriage ceremony is actually based on this type of marriage. You know, it was adopted by the Roman Catholic Church and used with certain Christian modifications, like, <clears throat> you know, uh, with you know, with a little change, uh, you know, into the the it, you know into the Protestantism and the Reformation. Right, the original ceremony involved the participation of both families in the arrangements for their weddings. A matron or would accompany the bride and a man would accompany the groom exchanging vows wearing a veil by the bride and giving of rings placed on the third finger of the left hand a bridal banquet and a wedding cake now the roman empire of paul's day you know divorce was really common right even even though even those uh, married under the the coferterio uh, it was not impossible for a man and a woman who have been married twenty, uh, you know, twenty times or more, right? And an active, and an and, and active and vocal feminist movement ha- had also developed. You know, some wives were um, were uh, wives competed with their husbands in business and in feats of physical strength. Um, many were not interested in being housewives or mothers. And by the first century, childless marriages were also common. Both men and women were determined um, to live out their own lives, regardless of the marriage vows or commitments. Now, the first century church had members that had lived together and were still living together under all four marriage arrangements. It also uh, had those who had multiple marriages and divorces. Not only that, but some believers believe that being single and celibate was more spiritual than being married, and they disparaged marriage entirely. 
perhaps someone was teaching that sex was unspiritual and should be forsaken altogether. Now, the situation was difficult uh, even for mature Christians. Now, for the immature Christians, it was especially confusing. The great question was, what do we do now that we are believers? Should we stay together as husband and wife if we are both Christians? Should we get divorced if our spouse is an, uh, our spouse is an unbeliever? Should we be, become or remain single? Are we allowed to get married? Now, the chaos of marital uh, uh, possibilities posed a myriad of perplexities, which Paul approaches in chapter 7 of this letter. Now, in our lessons today, I want, I want to examine some principles of marriage that, Paul, that the Apostle Paul has set down, right? And there, marriage is good, in verse 1. Marriage is between one man and one woman, verse 2. Marriage protects against the temptations of immorality, verses 3 through 4. Marriage is permanent, verse 5. And celibacy is permissible in, in verses 6 and 7. Now, first, we're going to talk about marriage is good. Paul said in verse 1, Now, concerning the matters about which you wrote, it is good for a man not it is it is good for a man not to have sexual relationships with a woman. Now, see, the Corinthians had written to the uh, to Paul uh, about a number of different challenges they were facing. Right now, Paul addressed the first challenge by reinstating what they had written to him. It's good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. Now, apparently. There was a lot of disagreement among Christians about how to deal with the issue of marriage. So, some believed that it was traditional on the wedding day to declare to the bride when her husband committed adultery with a prostitute or, um, you know, a, a woman of easy virtue. It was also a sign that he did not love her. But simply a way of, it was not a sign that he didn't love her, but it was, it was simply a way of gratifying his passions. Others said that uh, for the Christian, sexual abstinence was the way to go. The, la the, late, the latter view seems to have been gaining momentum in it. Now, if we are to judge and how the matter was addressed to Paul. Now, the Apostle Paul answered the matter in the rest of the section, however, even though he did not explicitly state in the verse, he clearly implied that marriage is good. Uh, Paul affirmed the principle that God himself declared at creation in Genesis 2.18, It is not good that a man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. So, God created Adam and Eve, Right? And all people need companionship and God-ordained marriage as the most fulfilling and common means of companionship. So marriage is good. Now, second, marriage is between one man and one woman. And Paul said in, in verse 2, But because of the temptation of sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. From the very beginning of, of Genesis 2.18, God affirmed marriage between one man and one woman. Paul simply affirmed here what the Bible states repeatedly, right? 
Each man should have his own wife and each woman should have her own husband. See, we live in a culture in which the growing uh, number are seeking to redefine marriage. Some people say that marriage should be permitted for any, any two adults or any adults, no matter how many, or for any people, adults and children and so on. We see this that we see this becoming big in our culture, you know, uh, transgenderism, uh, you know, uh, uh, homosexuality is becoming huge, and and they're now getting. We have our, our own state saying that it, it is okay for for same sex couple to get married, but biblically, God, biblically, Paul saying says no, it's between a man and a woman, and God will not honor same sex marriages. Now, third, marriage protects against the temptations of immorality. Now, Paul said in verse 2, but because of the temptation to sexual immorality, uh, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. See, marriage protects against the temptations of immorality only when it functions properly. Why? It, that is why the Apostle Paul went on to state the, the marital duties that are placed upon each spouse in a marriage. He said in verse 3, a husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights and likewise the wife to her husband. Now apparently, couples in Corinth were using sexual intimacy as some kind of bargaining tool. So Paul pointed out the obligations that married couples had to uh, had mar- uh, had had to uh, marital intimacy. He also let them know that these obligations were mutual. The husband had the duty of intimacy towards his wife, and the wife had the duty to intimacy towards her husband. Neither spouses had right, without cause, to refuse one another. Paul said in verse four, "For a wife does not have the authority of her own body, but her husband does, and likewise." Husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Now, unfortunately, these words have been used to justify physical abuse by the husbands against the wives. And let me say emphatically, as I can, Paul's words may never be used to force sexual intimacy. There are other spiritual passages, scriptural passages, that about love and self-protection that place limitations on Paul's statement in verse 4. Paul points out, however, that it is properly understood in practice. Marriage protects against temptations of immorality. But, you know, and and, and you're going to say, Pastor, what about sexual immorality between, I mean, it happens so much. Um, And it happens in the Christian community. You're right, it does. Because people aren't practicing biblical marriage. And that's what we and that's what we should be practicing is biblical marriage. Fourth, marriage is permanent, right? Uh, Paul said uh, in verse five a, "Do not deprive one another." Now, he was, of course, speaking about intimacy in marriage, but he but he was also indicating that marriage is to be a permanent relationship between a man and a woman. Obviously, when the marriage breaks down for whatever reason. Um, there is a, uh, a depravation, uh, not only in the intimacy but in, in the relationship as well. However, there are there is one exception of, of of not depriving one another. Paul said 
in verse 5b, do not deprive one another except perhaps by agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourselves to prayer. In other words, there are three conditions that must be met in order for a spouse not to be intimate. One, that there must be a mutual agreement by, by both spouses, right? Two, uh, the depravation is only for a limited time. And three, both spouses are devoted themselves to prayer. Now, throughout the Old Testament, there were there were times of, of special religious devotions by the people of God. And these times included prayer and fasting. Some, you know, temporary sexual abstinence that we find in 1 Samuel 21, I think, verses 4 through 5. Um, but Paul stated that, that this practice of temporary sexual abstinence was to be carried over into the New Testament period as well. Sometimes, you know, couples face major crises and burdens um, that may con- that that may require concentrated and focused prayer time. Perhaps serious illness, crash difficulty, an opportunity, or an opportunity may cause a couple to agree to spend extra time in prayer about a about a matter, right? That is the only time when a, a couple may agree not to be intimate. Once the, the agreed upon time is over, um, the couple must return to normal intimacy. Paul put it this way in verse five, verse 5c. Do not deprive one another except perhaps by agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come together again. Why? So Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. The longer a married couple is not intimate, the greater risk of one spouse will fall into a sinful sexual relationship. But before I move on to my final point, I want, I want to note that Scripture gives several reasons for marriage. And these reasons are this. Marriage is for protection, right? God commanded Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply in Genesis 1.18. God intends for mankind to reproduce itself. Two, marriage is for pleasure. Proverbs speaks of a man rejoicing in his wife's youth. Proverbs 5, 18 through 19. And then the Song of Solomon highlights the pleasure of marital love. Three, marriage is a partnership. A, a woman was created for man to be a helper fit for him in Genesis 2, 18. Friendship between a man and a wife is one of the key ingredients of a good marriage. And four, marriage is a picture of the church. Husbands have, are to have the authority in, you know, over and to love their wives as Christ has the authority over and loves the church. Now, while wives are to submit to their husbands as the church submits to Christ in Ephesians 5, 23-32. And I'm probably going to get a lot of flack from that because of the simple fact there's a lot of women who don't believe they need to submit that are Christians that they don't need to submit to their husbands. And we need to note that scripture says that they do. But the husbands should not disparage or lord over their wives. That's not what Paul's saying. Right? And five... Marriage is for purity. It protects from sexual immorality by meeting the need for physical fu- uh, fulfillment. These are the reasons that scripture gives marriage. 
right? And and we can also add that marriage is permanent, right? Now, fifth, celibacy is possible is, is permissible. Paul Paul said in verses uh, six and seven. Now, as a concession, not a command, I say this: I wish that all were as I myself am, but each of us his own gift from God, one of one kind, and the other, and one the one the other. Commentator Tater Richard Pratt says that not much is known about Paul's marital history, though it was likely that he was married at one time because uh, marriage was required of rabbis in his day. And Paul was an ordained rabbi. Um, he must have been married for a while, but nothing is known about what happened to his wife. Uh, she may have died or she may have left him when she converted to Christianity. Whatever the case... Paul was single and free from the burning sexual passion when he wrote this letter. And he admitted that he saw the advantages in his condition. Paul recognized that God does not call all people to singleness. And, and he apparently did not struggle with the self-control regarding his sexuality. But he affirmed, he affirmed that each of us has his own gift from God. One of one kind and another uh, and one of a, uh, one the other. In other words, God blesses one person with the gift of singleness, and He blesses the other with the gift of marriage. And sometimes young people w uh, wonder whether or not that they have the gift of singleness or, or the gift of marriage. And, and, and really, how can they know? It seems that a person who is gifted with the uh, gift of singleness has a general sense of contentment with his or her status. That is not to say that there is are no struggles with one state or uh, as a single person, but Paul seems to suggest that a person with the gift of singleness has less struggle of self-control in the terms of sexual desire. <clears throat> and that is why he said in verses 8 and 9, to the unmarried and to the windows, I say that is good, for you to remain single as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. A person with the gift of singleness does not seem to struggle with the passion or as so much and is able to exercise self-control, whereas a person with the gift of marriage struggles with his or her own passions. And so... It is better for that person to get married than burn with passions. But I'll talk about that on, on Friday. I think that, yeah, I think that's on Friday. So we're going to talk a little bit more about um, marriage. All right. Uh, so selfie is permissible. Now, you know, some people drive old cars. And I know a guy that spends a lot of time and money renovating and driving around you know old antique cars and he enjoys it he doesn't mind the attention that he gets from people i mean they're beautiful cars right um and he probably and, and and we have all probably seen some people dressed up in costumes from the earlier decade decades of the last century and they drive with big smiles on their faces meanwhile mo modern faster cars line up behind and waiting for the opportunity to pass and go their way unhindered by these throwbacks of, uh, of yesteryear cars. But let's face this, when Christians today 
take seriously the teaching in this chapter and apply them to marriage, they they seem to be out of touch with the modern world as OT, antique car enthusiasts. People gawk at them and waiting for them to move their old jalopy so they may go on their way unhindered. Now, despite the attitudes of the world, we must look at Christian marriage not as a jalopy, but as a precious antique treasure from the past. In the beginning, God ordained marriage and commanded it in Scripture. This is a gift from God, not to be despised, but to be cherished as a blessing of our Creator. Now, knowing the great value of marriage, we must work hard to preserve what God has clearly given us in Scripture. Let us affirm in word and in deed the principles of marriage that Paul has given us in this lesson today. You know, it's really important for us to really look at Scripture and marriage um, seriously. You know what I mean? I mean, I mean, we, we, we have to... We have to really look at that. We have to really understand that God ordained for it to be a man and woman, not a woman on woman or man on man. And just like, you know, my, I had a couple of videos that were taken down by YouTube because it went against their standards. One of them was shun worldly wisdom. They didn't like it. And the other one was on homosexuality, which they didn't like either. And we must understand that if we're going to be, if we're going to call ourselves Christians or believers or uh, men and women of God, that we must understand the biblical definition of marriage between a man and a woman. And that, my friend, is the biblical standard and should be our standard. You know, uh, we should love our wives. And wives, you should love your husband as Christ loved the church. And we see so much just craziness today in the church. You know, uh, men, you know, they supply the financial need, but they're not supplying the intimate, the intimate need. And I think that's, I think that's one of the things that every man of God needs to, and, and women of God needs to do is be intimate with your husband. You know, and, and Paul clearly states in scripture here in first Corinthians seven, that intimacy is a part of the marriage bed. So I hope you guys get a, a lot uh, out of it and, and stuff. I know I went on a little early and I apologize and I hope you guys watch this later and, and stuff like that, man. Cause the teaching that we're getting out of first Corinthians, because the Corinthians really, really, really had a rough time, you know, so uh, they, they faced many challenges because of the of the Corinthian church was placed in a, in a paganistic, Roman paganistic, you know, uh, uh, city. So they held on to the world. And Paul was like, no, you need to hold on to God. Anyways, guys, um, if you guys would like to support Made Free Church in any way, shape, or form, please go to madefreechurch.org. We have a giving tab. There's three ways to give. You can give through our, our cash app. You can give through our um, our uh, PayPal link or and you can give uh, through the uh, check or money order to the address that's provided on, on the church website. It's madefreechurch.org. Go to the giving tab. Um, guys, 
Giving is something that we should do, and Made Free Church and Tactical Discipleship want to build upon the foundation of discipleship and giving. Um, and we as pastors give to this church. We're the only ones that are really supporting it. Uh, we would love your support. And if you guys are led to support, you know, uh, Made Free Church or Tactical Discipleship, please do. Um, and uh, please pray because uh, we're getting Tactical Discipleship, its own 501c3, own nonprofit. So please pray that that goes through and stuff, okay? Um, and also leave your email addresses uh, because we'd love to send you a tax deductible receipt for that as well. And guys, if you guys like to check out my own personal web and blog site, you can do that at servantforchrist.com. That's servantforchrist.com. Also, guys, go check out our friends at 120Army. That's 120Army.com. They just launched a new app. Uh, you could get it on your Android and your iPhones. So, guys, please go check out Aaron and Jose. They're good friends of ours. We love them. And, guys, check out our podcast as well. I mean, Made Free Church has its own podcast on all the podcast platforms. And Reform Pastor, which is my own personal podcast as well. So check that out. And guys, please give to Made Free Church. We have a small overhead right now, but um, we want to open up our, our men and women's discipleship homes this year. We want to get our own place so we can have service. And your giving will help that. You know, so please give. Please give. Um and thank you for watching, guys. I hope you guys have an amazing, amazing day. May God richly bless you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this opportunity we get to spend with you. We love you. We worship you. And we just ask, Lord, that you bless our hands and feet today as we go to work, go to school, whatever we're going to do. Lord, bless the people that have watched and are going to be watching. We love you. We worship you. And we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, you guys have a great, great day. God bless you.